0: We all had love songs that we kind of liked, didn't we? I'm sure you had one. How, How about you? I'm sure all of you had some love songs. When it came on the radio, what would you do? Oh, you'd sing with it. You'd just go, oh. And you'd reach over and say, oh, honey, that's our song. Have have you ever just had a love song that just kind of stuck with you? All throughout time, there's been these love songs. We all grew up with them. Elvis sang love songs. Perry Como sang love songs. There, There have been love songs by the Beatles. There have been love songs by, I don't know, probably some of those 80s bands that my son is passionately in love with. He loves listening to Sweet Child of Mine and crazy stuff like that. But don't tell anybody, okay? He's a pastor's son. And I just want you to know, he learned it from his mama, all right? (laughs) All that music he got from his mama, but his daddy enjoys it too. Uh, But you know, songs like, When a man loves a woman, she can do no wrong. If he tells her the truth, he'll still be wrong. I've always been love songs out not they? but oh it seems like you don't hear many songs about truth though do you now we got movies I know you know this movie most of you do you want the truth you can't handle the truth you want me on that wall you need me on that wall truth right we we have movies about truth we have songs about love and as we look at Scripture today, you know, sometimes there are things when when, when I preach the way I do and I go through Scripture and, and, and there's a plan, I come across things that I normally would not talk about in a sermon. And today would be one of those where today we're going to be talking about the balance of love and truth. There's a real balance that has to be taken according to Scripture. Chuck Swindoll said, Love is like a river, a river that flows and it's a thing of beauty. Creatures of nature find delight in floating on it and drawing water from it. Cities are built around it, but let that river leave its banks and destruction happens. People are driven from their homes and disease is carried into the community. The river has to stay within its banks or it becomes a thing of destruction. The banks along the river of love are truth and discernment. Truth and discernment contains love within the biblical bounds of what God has intended. We're going to see that uh, in this set, this letter of Second John. This isn't the book of John. It's not one of the four gospels. It's near the end where Revelation is at. It's it's really short. We're going to cover the entire book today. It's thirteen verses. Somebody say praise the Lord. Praise Greg, we're still going to get out for that two last pieces of roast beef. We're going to see in verses 4 through 6 about walking in the truth and 7 through 11 about standing against error. As we get into this, something you need to know is that hospitality was integral to the first church. When people would come through and they would be teachers and they would be preachers, there would be people that would open up their homes and they were very hospitable to them and they would take care of them and, and they would feed them and give them a place to sleep and they were very hospitable. Now, this is written in, in, in this world where there are people who are preaching truth and there are preacher, preachers who are deceiving people. And I want us to begin in verse number 1. The elder to the chosen lady and her children. Now, let me stop right there. Some scholars have said that the lady and her children refers to the church. Now, most scholars would disagree that that is not referring to the church. And I fall on that side. I do not believe this is written to a church in general calling her a lady but a particular lady and her kids. John is writing to a particular woman. And if that is the case, this is the only book in the Bible written to directly to a woman, which is very interesting, isn't it? But John, the disciple, the beloved disciple, says this, the elder to the chosen lady and her children, whom I love in truth. And not only I, but also all who know the truth. For the sake of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace and mercy and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Son of the Father in truth and love. One of the first things I want us to look at in this difficult balance, there's a difficult balance that has to take place. Imagine getting up on a, a balance board or a balance beam and, or one of those exercise balls. Notice I didn't bring one of those for illustration today because I would have broke my neck. Uh, when you get up on one of those, you've got to balance, and you've got to be careful to make sure that the weight's evenly distributed, that there's a, uh, enough on one side and the other. The difficult balance is, is this, that standing for truth is as important as standing for love. Boy, it got quiet in here. Standing for truth is as important as standing for love. See, we live in a society that just loves this idea of love, don't we? Like I said earlier, we have songs about love. We have poems about love. We have stories and movies about love. We love this idea of love. But when it comes to truth, sometimes we'll shy away from it because we don't want to seem, what? Unloving. But John here in verses 1 through 4 he is addressing a lady and he uses the word truth one, two, three, four, five times in the first five verses. Verse four I was very glad to find some of your children walking in truth, just as we have received commandment to do from the Father. Love and truth go together. To have love without truth is not to fully have the essence of full love from the Father. You must have truth. Both of them. Love for others should not undermine our loyalty to God, though. As we love other people, we should not compromise or be tolerant to a point where we compromise the truth of God's Word. See, that's a word used a lot in our society today, isn't it? Tolerant. Let's be tolerant of one another. Toleration is the way to go. But yet some of those people hollering to be tolerant are the least tolerant people of those who just think differently than they do, aren't they? It's not about tolerance, It is about love, but it's about truth in the way that God has ordained us to stand for truth, and that's in love. It's remarkable to see how God has put forth a plan that is so clear. Tim Smith said, Love without truth is hypocrisy, and truth without love is brutality. So see, both of them must be married together. He went on to say, we need love and truth together. Having truth is not enough. We need to have love. None of us responds to truth without love, but we respond to truth in love. And that's really where John's going here. He has a good relationship with this lady, apparently knows her. And this idea of truth and love has gotten complicated in her home and in her city and in the church. And it's something that they're wrestling with. And John, the, the last disciple alive, is writing to do some clarification of how important it is to have both. So let's look at truth for a second and kind of flesh this out so we can understand truth clearly as God intends it, not as Clyde intends it. The first thing about truth is God's truth should not be championed at the expense or at the expense of His commandment to love one another. See, here's something we often do. We will stand for truth with harshness, won't we? Just because someone disagrees with us, we will, we will get angry. We will get upset at them. We will push them away. We will treat them as if they are an outcast and they're evil. For instance, you're just going to go to hell because you don't believe in Jesus. That's not said in love. Oftentimes, we will stand and say, well, the Bible says this, and we'll do it in a very angry and hateful way. Can I tell you something? You can stand for God's truth and sin at the same time. So, if you can stand for God's truth and sin at the same time, you better be careful because what you're doing is not pleasing to God. Even though you're standing for God's truth. Because check this out this is huge people this will change the landscape of what we do now i ask you lady verse 5 follow with me now i ask you lady not as though i were writing to you a new commandment this isn't something new lady for you to hear but the one which we have had from the beginning that we love one another And this is love, that we walk according to His commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, that you should walk in it. Why is He reminding her and telling her we should love one another? Because we get truth ahead of love sometimes. We love being right more than we love the people that we're talking to sometimes. Somebody say amen. Somebody needs to elbow your spouse and go, "Uh Uh-huh, yep, he's talking to you, he's meddling now. But what John is telling this lady is that we cannot forget about loving one another when we walk in truth. It is important because if we don't walk in love, all we do is give God a bad name. We sin before God and we're in the wrong just as much as the person who is not in the right is in the wrong. Second thing is this. God's truth is defined by Jesus and not defined by opinions or feelings. Check this out. Verse 7. "...For many deceivers have gone out into the world. Those who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves that you do not lose what we have accomplished, but that you may receive a full reward. Anyone who goes too far and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God." The one who abides in the teaching, he has both the Father and the Son. Okay, I'm going to chase a rabbit just for a second. I believe once saved, always saved. People will say, well, what happens to that person who was saved? And then they go off the deep end over here. Well, let me tell you something. If they're convicted and God brings them back, they were saved. If they were not saved, they don't have God because they're not, they have left it completely. You know where I get that? Can I read it to you? I didn't write it. John did. Anyone who goes too far and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. So someone who walks away from the faith, you know how we should treat them? Like they are lost. Okay, somebody needs to write that down. You need to understand that that loved one of yours who who knew Jesus Christ when they were young and they're living like they don't know Jesus, you need to treat them as if they don't know Jesus because there's a good possibility they don't. You know what that means? That you need to get urgent, you need to be praying, you you need to be thinking of ways to share Christ with them so they can get back to Jesus or get to know Jesus. Because if we don't do that, you know what's going to happen? That person may not know Jesus even though you wanted to assume they did because it just made you feel better and they may die and go to hell. We need to treat people who act lost like lost people. And us saved people need to act like we're saved. Somebody say amen to that. We need to act like we're saints instead of sinners who, who are just trying to get by. We have been born again by the Jesus Christ and His blood and we need to act like it. And those who do not know Jesus... We need to treat them with love. See, the reason John brings out love first is because I believe in 2019, God knew that we were going to struggle with this issue. It has been going on for centuries, for decades, where it, the church has been about the truth and we've forgotten about the love. Because we're going to stand for truth and be right in God's eyes, but be wrong in the commandment of loving one another. So we have to be careful. There's, I'm telling you, this is a difficult balance. God's truth is defined by Jesus and not defined by the opinions or feelings of other people. 7 through 9, he's talking about the deceivers that would come out. And he makes it very clear that Jesus is the source of truth. Truth is centered on Christ coming in the flesh. It's not centered on anything else. There is no other philosophy that you can center this truth on except for Jesus Christ came in the flesh, lived among us, and died and rose again. There was two different... Uh, ideas back then, one of them was that Jesus was just actually a spirit. He didn't have a flesh body because uh, uh, God could not, since He's holy, could not uh, uh, take upon that which is evil, which is flesh. So everything that was written about Jesus and them seeing Jesus and Jesus being on the cross really was not a fleshly man. He wasn't human. He was just an illusion of God. That was one of the beliefs back then. How many of you think that that's just a little... Okay, you don't have to raise your hand. It just seems a little... Off, but that's what a lot of people were believing then. Another thing was this that they believed that all physical matter was evil, so uh, only the intellectual could achieve the height of salvation. The ones that could obtain that knowledge that was beyond the average that God would reveal to them, this great insight of knowledge, and then they had the salvation of God. And these were coming into the church and they were really, see, they were having trouble believing jesus was human today we believe jesus is human we have a hard time believing jesus is god but he is notice i said he is not was jesus is god so really what john does is he talks about we need to love but he says in verse 7 for many deceivers have gone out he is telling this lady be careful be careful. I thought it would be very interesting if maybe I tell you exactly what sets our foundation of what we believe. If somebody was to come to you and begin to share with you their faith or their ideas about religion, here are the things in which you can measure whether it lines up with scripture or not. Number one, what, are the, what do they say about God? Do they say God that there is one true God that he's made up of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, a triune God, which is, which is one. Do they say that or do they not? We believe, I believe, that there is one true God made up of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All three divine, all three one. There is one true God, Jesus said. That's what we believe. Second thing is, what do they say about Jesus? Was Jesus born of a virgin? Was He divine and human at the same time? Did He live a sinless life? Was He the substitutionary atonement? In other words, He took our place for our sin and our condition. Did He raise from the dead in a physical body? Now you may say, well, that's pretty simple, Pastor. I know that. Maybe you're not clear. So let me tell you what we believe and what I believe. Jesus Christ was born of a virgin named Mary. Mary. He was fully divine and fully human. Fully God and fully human at the same time. He lived a sinless life, a perfect life. And He took my place on the cross. That death I should have received, He took my place. So that when He rose from the dead, He conquered death, hell, and the grave. And He conquered my sin because He nailed that to the cross. And that is what I believe in that That bodily resurrection makes the difference. The other thing is is about the Holy Spirit. What do they say about the Holy Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit divine? Is the Holy Spirit uh, a part of the one true God? Is the Holy Spirit an indwelling presence that people receive when they receive Jesus Christ? Is God dwelling in them or do you have to go find God somewhere at a temple or doing certain things or living up to a certain standard? The Holy Spirit is the power of God unto salvation. He is the power of God that gives me hope and strength every day. It is the Holy Spirit that indwells within me. It is the Holy Spirit that is divine, that gives me the ability to overcome this flesh. That's what we believe. The other thing is this. We heard a young man a few weeks ago talk about as he was examining all these different religions in college. And he was like, I'm on the search for truth. I want to find out the common thread through all of them so I can find the real truth. And he came to the conclusion that the one thing, the one thing none of them dealt with like Christianity and Jesus did was sin. What do I do with my sin? What do they say about sin? Is Jesus the only way? That's what he said. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is available to all because we have all fallen short of the glory of God. But even while we were sinners, he died for us. That sin, what do they think and say about sin? And one of the key things, the last thing is this. That I really want to throw out there and hopefully some of you are writing these down because you may be in conversation this week at work or at a restaurant or even with your family or your dad today. These are measuring sticks. Who is God? Who is Jesus? Who is the Holy Spirit? The solution for sin and this one. The authority for your faith. What dictates what you believe? Can I tell you it's not the opinion of man? It's not the tradition of the church. It is the word of God as it is written, as it was written in its original manuscripts, as John wrote this letter. That is the word of God. Now man has kind of messed up here and there, but we still have the word of God before us. There's no contradictions that cannot be explained. This is the word, this is the foundation of our faith. Nothing else, nothing more, not another book, not another person. This is the foundation of our faith. Someone may say, well, pastor, preacher, you sure do seem to be pretty narrow-minded. Wide is the way that leads to destruction, but narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. This faith we call Christianity is built upon the blood of Jesus Christ and this book I hold in my hand is the story of Jesus from the first word in Genesis to the last word in Revelation. This is one story about our redemption and God's love for us through Jesus Christ and nothing else. Okay, I'm about ready to start preaching. I thought it would be interesting because we are bombarded with this idea of different beliefs and religions. So I thought I would just show you how deceptive some things can be. Asked, do you believe in Jesus? Now, I'm reading straight from their websites, okay? I'm not making this up. This isn't someone's opinion. I'm reading straight from their websites. Do you believe in Jesus? Yes. We believe in Jesus who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Sounds good, don't it? Let's keep reading. We have faith that Jesus came to earth from heaven and gave His perfect human life as a ransom sacrifice. Any problems yet? No. His death and resurrection make it possible for those exercising faith in Him to gain everlasting life. Good so far? All right. We also believe that Jesus is now ruling as King of God's heavenly kingdom, which will soon bring peace to the entire earth. However, we take Jesus at his word when he said, The Father is greater than I am. So we do not worship Jesus as we do not believe that he is Almighty God. Is there a problem? uh-huh so when you just begin with the, the 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 beginning level the introduction it sounds pretty good doesn't it they come knocking on your door well, Do you believe in jesus yes we do we believe that jesus said i am the way the truth and the life jesus said that there's no other way that jesus came to earth from heaven to live a sinless and perfect life so that we can have him as our savior but then when you get down and you dig a little deeper they say but jesus is not god he was just a man Ladies and gentlemen, that's a problem. It does not pass the test of truth. It does not pass the test of truth. Oh there's more. You're going to like this. This is fun. Here's another one. By the way, anybody know who, who that is? Who does not believe that Jesus is God? They will not worship Jesus. Jehovah Witness. All right, who, who do they say Jesus is? See the test? Here's another one. Jesus Christ. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the Son of God and our loving Savior. He lived to teach us and He suffered and died to save us from sin and death. Because of Him, we can be forgiven, we can overcome challenges, and we can live with God again someday. Did anybody hear anything there? Oh, it raises a question, doesn't it? Again someday This particular religion believes that there is a God who actually procreates to keep it G-rated, procreates, and there are these spirit beings that are born because of his procreation. And these procreations, they come to earth, and you once were a spirit being living because of this God procreating, and then you took on flesh when you were born. They believe that. They believed the very first one that was born from this God, the Father, His name was Jesus. The second one that was born was Satan, which makes Jesus and Satan what? Brothers. And how did salvation come to be what it is today? They both presented their plan before God the Father and said, Look, here's my plan for salvation for mankind. The other one said, Here's my plan for salvation for mankind. And, And God the Father said, You know what? I like Jesus' plan better. We're going with his. Does anybody in the room see any problem with this whatsoever? Mormon. That's Mormon. See, we will hear a lot about, oh, it's, they're all leading to the same place. i got news for you. When you look at it, they don't. People with Islam will say, oh, we all worship the same God. It's the God of Abraham. They do not believe God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God is made up of the Father, Jesus Christ, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you don't believe in that trinity of God, you don't believe in the one true God of Scripture. So how can we be going to the same place? All right, so here we go. I thought that would be fun to examine some truth today and and break it down in real life, what they say. This stuff's right straight from their websites, people. I'm not making this up. It's real. So, what do we do? How do we engage, how do we deal with a culture that wants to attack the divinity of Jesus, who Jesus is, who God is, what, what sin is, and how we're to deal with it. What are we to do? Well, let's look very... Very carefully here as we continue to read. Remember that in verse 8, John writes these words. Watch yourselves. That's an important word, isn't it? What is he saying? Look out. Be on the alert. Don't just accept everything as truth. Watch yourself. I want you to jump down to verse 10. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching... Do not receive him into your house, and do not give him a greeting. For the one who gives him a greeting participates in his evil deeds. Whoo! I just saw some of you go, Whoo! That's pretty heavy. John is making it very clear that there is a bank on this side of the river called truth, and there's a bank over here that's called discernment, and in the middle is love. And he is saying, I want you to notice... Teaching. So this does not mean that that person who works with you that's a Jehovah Witness or the person that works with you that's Mormon, that you need to just totally ignore them. I ain't speaking to you. Sorry, you're going to hell. I ain't talking to you. That's not what John is saying. He is saying for those who are teaching to deceive. When, when someone comes to your door and they don't want to have a conversation about who Jesus is, they just want to tell you, then close the door. Don't even say goodbye. That's what John is saying. I guarantee you, for a Jehovah Witness, they have been told what to say and how to argue. If you tell them this, I had a uh, pastor friend of mine. He said, I figured out how to get the Jehovah Witness to stop knocking at my door, apparently. What would you do? He said, well... I said, look, I'll give you two minutes to tell me anything about your religion, but you've got to give me two minutes to tell you about mine. And he did that. And apparently he got put on a blacklist. (laughs) Because he said, they don't ever stop. They go to his neighbor's house, but won't come to his anymore. It's because they don't want to discuss truth. They only want to hit you with what they have been told. Now you can say, well, how's that any different than what we're doing? It's because of what John is saying. We're to love one another. See, the first thing we got to do is we have to guard ourselves against those who are against Christ. We've got to beware. We've got to watch ourselves, be alert. But we have to know the truth, walk in the truth, protect the truth. But here's the thing that I don't want you to miss. This is key. We have to share truth to help someone. Because I genuinely love them, and you're not doing it to harm them. If you're doing it out of animosity, can I write this down, okay? If you're doing it out of animosity, you're sharing truth just to get at somebody, or there's an emotion in you that you're going, I'm going to get them with this, then here's what I want you to do. Write this down. Shut up. If you're doing it out of love because you're concerned about their eternity and who they are and who they're becoming and your heart breaks for them, then share the truth by all means. But if your heart's not at a place, it's only at animosity against them, ooh, you're dirty, you're nasty because you're sinful. Look at all you've done. Look at the tattoos that you have. Look at the drugs that you've done. Look at the lifestyle you live. Ooh, get away from me. Then please shut up and get in the altar and pray. Because we cannot share the truth of God with them until we obey the commandment Jesus said to love one another. He didn't put boundaries around it. Only those that look like you, talk like you, smell like you, and live like you. Love one another and share the truth. This is a difficult balance, ladies and gentlemen. But here's something for you to grab hold of. One author put it this way, unknown author. I trust you is a better compliment than I love you because you may not always trust the person you love, but you can always love the person you trust. And the quickest way to destroy trust is to degrade demeanor, talk mean and ugly and down to people just because we know and we believe without a shadow of a doubt there is no doubt in my mind that Jesus is the only way and that he died on the cross he was born of a virgin he rose from a bodily a bodily resurrection he died in my place and God it's the Father Son and Holy Spirit three in one the Holy Spirit dwells within me and man must have a solution for his sin and that atonement substitutionary atonement came through Jesus Christ and that this is the foundation of my faith I believe that with all my heart but I I'm not going to take this out there and hit somebody over the head and knock them down on the ground with it. They will not see Jesus of the Bible until they see the Jesus that's in me coming out of me. Pray with me. Father, I thank you so much for this day and your word. Thank you, Lord, that John wrote this letter, this short little postcard to this lady and her children, that it is a challenge to us today. That we are to stand for truth. We are to have truth in our life and know what is right and wrong and have those convictions, those beliefs, those values. But it must be balanced with love one another. Father, if I may be so, so bold, if we ever open our mouth to stand for your truth without loving the one that we're sharing the truth with, May you make us stumble with our words, make us cough, make us not be able to speak. For God, the word of your testimony is too great to be spoiled by the foolishness of my mouth. So Lord, help me love and love enough that I will tell the truth. Love without telling the truth is not completely love, Father. Lord, if anything was wrong with my family and I knew harm was coming, I love them and I would tell them. May we do the same thing as we encounter those we work with, those we spend time with, our family, our friends. Lord, help us in this balance of truth and love. Father, today, There are people who don't understand the truth because they don't truly have that relationship with Jesus Christ. So, Father, today convict their hearts and their minds that they will just simply understand the solution for the problem is just admitting they have a problem and then just turning it all over to you. Them just simply saying, God, I've made mistakes and I've messed up. Jesus is the way. Forgive me and take over my life. Lord, it is that simple. And lives can be transformed and truth can be known. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen.